Social media is a proven method of finding and connecting with potential customers. And with the recent FCA guidance on social media use increasing confidence amongst financial businesses, we're likely to see use begin to motor. But whilst there is an immediacy about social media due to its very nature, using social successfully can be a long game and planning is essential. My guest today has built a successful business helping firms plan for success in social media. Hear Bridget's thoughts about the current social media landscape in financial services. Listen to her tips and thoughts on putting together a plan for increasing your presence in social media and how to use it to connect with new clients. That's all right here in episode 36 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. For each episode, you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. So I'm delighted to introduce you to my guest today and she is Bridget Greenwood. Winner of Personality of the Year from Professional Advisor, Bridget spent the last few years developing leading strategies within social media to extend reach, influence and connections, bringing business, clients and prospects together. Previously an IFA, Bridget works with financial advisors, wealth managers, professional bodies like IFP, Panacea Advisor, asset managers and other financial firms, working with clients to put together a roadmap for their social media, offer training, guidance around governance, tools, implementation, monitoring and reviewing. So Bridget, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thank you very much, very pleased to be here. And where are you uh, Skyping me from today, Bridget? I'm based in North Norfolk. And what's the weather like down there today? It is becoming much more spring-like. I am so pleased. <laughs> I've missed the warmth. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the summer as well. It's been a long, very blustery, very cold winter up here in Scotland. Bridget, we're going to talk about social media today. It's a topic very close to your heart and very close to my heart. But before we get there, let's find out a little bit about you. Tell us about your background, where you came from, what your ambitions are, and basically what makes you tick. Oh, okay. Quite a few questions there. Um, in 2000 is when I first got introduced to the financial industry. Um, when I moved to Norfolk, I obviously was looking for work. And the wages here, certainly when I moved, are half of what I was used to. So I said, do you not have anything for me? And they said, well, I don't suppose you're interested in selling finance, are you? To which I responded, I have no idea what is it. What does it mean? What do I have to do? So um, it was the only role that they offered where I actually had control of what I could earn. So I wanted to discover more and um, I ended up working for Life of Canada and doing my training through that as an advisor. Then they made their sales force redundant, as was a lot of providers at the time, tied agents. So rather than just go to another firm and end up in the same position, uh, I became an IFA. And I love doing that because you get to meet new people, you get to find out all about them, really personal stuff as well about their health, about their wealth, about their ambitions, what's important to them. Put a plan together and, and get paid for it. So I love that. And then I had my son. So I always, I always tell everyone that I was an IFA BC before child. Um, and 
I had intended to go back to work at least part-time, but um, for a variety of reasons, that didn't happen. Clearly no sleep for the first 18 months of my son's life. <laughs> um, and I was traveling all around East Anglia, which, of course, I didn't mind when it was just me. But when I was, um, you know, start later, come home at 10 o'clock sometimes, that was fine. But obviously, when you become a parent, then those hours aren't quite so agreeable. Um, and indeed, if I had my son now, if it was, you know, 2015, not 2004, I could have used technology to carry on having meetings with my clients by using Skype video conferencing, sharing screens. I could continue to attract new clients by using social media. And we were being quite different. Um, so, but yes, so I didn't go back to being an advisor. RDR was coming up. The fees, is, we all know it's a male-dominated workplace. And the fees and the cost involved, doesn't matter if you're working part-time or full-time, they're still the same set of fees. We just looked at it and thought, I don't think that I can be the parent that I want to be and go back and, and, and build up the business um, with everything else that was going on. Um, and so I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what to do uh, for a little while. But I knew that whatever was going to happen, because I do live rurally, I was going to have to get smart about how I could use the computer in front of me to be able to attract people uh, and business rather than having to go out and about. Um, so I started to look at ways that I could do that. And I am no geek, absolutely no geek whatsoever. I can't code, can't do any of those clever things. Um, so trying to, to build in websites was, was no good. Um, but I can make connections. I can reach out to people. Um, I can build relationships. Um, I can share my knowledge. And that's effectively what I was doing with social media. So you've built a business around social media, helping financial advisors to put together social media plans. Yeah. Had you intended to get into that line of work or did this whole social media and digital marketing revolution just happen at the right time for you? Um, yeah, it, it wasn't intentional. It, it was much more uh, organic, I suppose. So one of the things that I was doing is I wanted to go out and go to Businesswoman's Network because I did realize that I never, never really bothered, never really noticed that I was a woman when I was working when, before I became a parent. But then actually becoming mother and um, the marriage is split up as well, so a single parent, juggling working and um, being a parent was something that I wasn't familiar with. So I wanted to reach out to other working women to figure out what they were doing. But unfortunately, uh, when I Googled it, there wasn't a business women's network in Norfolk at the time. Okay. So I went down to Essex, liked what I saw, and asked Mandy Holgate from Business Women's Network, could I bring up what she was doing in Essex to Norfolk? So eventually we set that up, and every month we would have a meeting, and people would ask questions about social media, and I would be able to answer them. And when a lady called Julie Bishop, um, who has an internet business job hub, she said to me, look, Bridget, I've been looking for people who know about social social media and you seem to know more about than anybody else does, would you like to help me to help local businesses with their social media? So that's kind of how I started to get paid for sharing my knowledge. And then later on, I saw Amy McElwain, financial social media, uh, as it was in the, in the States. And I thought, actually, that's what I want to do. I want to go back into working with the industry that I know. Uh, and obviously, there's the extra layer of compliance that the financial world has to deal with that other firms and different industries don't have to deal with. So that's how I then became... Um, where I am today with Financial Social Media UK. And what do you think the uh, the landscape's like for social media and financial services at the moment? I mean, obviously, you're very heavily involved in it. I've been heavily involved in it for about the last five to six years as well. So to me, social media is, and digital marketing is pretty much the most important part of, of a business plan. But for a lot of people, a lot of people in the financial services industry, it's this potentially scary medium and 
as you've mentioned, compliance is something that people are, are genuinely worried about. You know, I, I've, I've heard of some companies can take two or three days to comply a tweet. Um, yes, it, it's interesting because there has definitely been much more appetite for across the board for both financial planners, advisors, asset managers, you know, the whole work within the, within the financial community to start taking more action across online media and, um, and making it social. Um, there is still a massive disparity between those who have been using it and using it for years uh, and those who still think that there's no value in it. Um, and the people who think there's no value in it tend to be the people who haven't even tried. Right. Um, there are very few people that I've had conversations with who have strategically tried to do something on social media and not seen some sort of relevance or um, benefit from it. Those are the conversations I've had. And so I've recently been doing a whole bunch of talks, one for the PFS, and then I've been doing this round of talks around technology with the three, with 360. So I'd say in the last few weeks, I've spoken in front of a thousand advisors. And the the interest level and the experience is just phenomenal. You've got some people who think that I'm talking in Japanese <laughs> um, and, and other people who just, you know, nodding all the way. Yeah, that's my experience. All that's really helpful. And I think that there needs to be relevance in why you would engage online and with social media, because a lot of advisors, if we're, if we're sticking with advisors, they're older, aren't they? Fift- Mid 50s. Yes. And it's not. It, and that's nothing to do with being on social, because I think that's a mindset, not a major difference. But it's the need for bringing in new clients into your business. It's the how old are the clients that you're dealing with. So one chap said, I'm not sure if I should stay for your talk. And I said, well, that's entirely up to you, obviously. But if you stay, then at least you'll have a better understanding of why you would or you wouldn't choose to use social media. And he came up to me and said, right, I definitely know that I don't want to do it. I'm five years from retiring. I have all the clients that I need. And I can see that this does take some time, energy and effort. So I prefer to opt out of that. And I can't really argue with him too much because in five years' time, he doesn't want to be working anymore. But then you have other people. So there was a, there's a firm called Sedulo, and I met them in Manchester. They've been running two years. In the last three weeks, they got 25 new inquiries through their online efforts. So, and they're obviously a new firm, and they're looking to the future to always be um, helping build relationships with existing clients and to attract new clients. And so the energy, the, the motivation behind why they would be online is very different. Yeah, I can understand why the person who was retiring in five years might not have felt that it was worth the investment of his time now to effectively put together a social media plan. But uh, other businesses, it's a, it's a great source of leads. Do you find it quite easy to convince those doubters? You mentioned some people are just saying they're almost like, I'm not even interested. Yeah. I don't see my job as convincing, having to convince people. I don't, I don't know. I think that's quite a difficult thing to do. Um, sort of convince someone by just having a conversation. What I've noticed, though, is that as people are drip-fed and hear from different sources about online, about social media, for example, Google did a... Um, did you ever read Google's um, ZMOT report? So yes, I did, yes. In, so it's published in early January 2012, I think it was. Um, and obviously, because it was published in 2012, was looking at figures done in tw- 2011. Now, we're in 2015, so obviously... The adoption rate, and I've got some that I can share with you as well about technology and, and how we're using online has, has dramatically increased in that time. But they did the zero moment of truth. So what they were saying is Procter & Gamble said first moment of truth is when you go into a shop. It's Procter & Gamble, so let's say it's deodorant. You're looking in the supermarket, you're looking at the shelves, and you're thinking, which deodorant do I want? Hold on, different types and different brands. The first moment of truth is when you choose to pick up that deodorant. Your experience of the deodorant is your second moment of truth and will guide whether or not you're going to go back and buy the same 
same make and same brand. Now, advice isn't a product that you can find in the shop. But what they're saying now is there is a zero moment to choose. Because before you even leave the door, the first thing that we do is we research online. Yes. Um, and so they did a survey across all the industries, but they also did a survey based within the financial sector. And they spoke to 250 people who, within the last six months of the survey, had made an investment. And they said, okay, so you, you made your investment. How did you, what did your journey look like to making a decision and, and, then, and making your execution? And 94% of them said that they went online to do some research. On average, 8.9 sources of online information were used to help them make that decision. Um, 48% of them looked at financial advisors' websites. So, you have a whole bunch of people going online first. They're discovering a, a financial advisor's website and they are making a decision on that as to whether to proceed with them or perhaps go somewhere else where they can get some help. So the first question I ask people is, when people are searching online, are you, first of all, showing up and then are you putting your bis- best business foot forward to see that actually you can help that person and what should they do next? Or just as much that you can't help that person, because just say someone's looking for their first mortgage, but you're dealing with corporates or high net worth clients, then they need to as easily see that you can't help them as they do that you can help them. Uh, and I think that some people, I mean, you, you, those are the stats, you can't argue with them. <laughs> but, um, but what does that convince someone enough to go, okay, we really need to look at our online presence and our website? Well, that's going to be down to the individual, I think. That's quite interesting. And, and and yesterday I put out an episode of the podcast. It wasn't actually an interview um, for the first time. Episode 35 was actually just me talking. And it was about a speech I did in Glasgow last week at Financial Services Expo, where I was effectively telling people that story about how people are 90% of cases starting their purchasing journey with a Google search. Yeah. And what, you, what people need to do to get seen is to put content out there. And in the financial services industry it could be audios like this it could be videos it could be articles it could be blogs and if you can get people in that search phase to stumble across you and to find you then it's likely that they will end up either emailing you or giving you a call but it's a long game as well isn't it Bridget people have got to plan and people have got to put quite a lot of mechanisms in place before they're going to have some success with this so maybe tell us a little bit about your company and what you can do to help advisors put social media and digital marketing plans in place so the biggest hurdle I think for a lot of people is finding the time because everyone's busy yes so it's finding that time to be able to sit down and say, okay, what do I need to do strategically? I always stumble over that word. Um, and then if you do want to, to DIY it and do some research, there are it's overwhelming the amount of information that's out there around social media and the tools that you need to use. And sometimes that in itself can be enough to say, oh, look at that another day and then however long has gone by. And so the first thing, to, I think it's, it's a case of just taking it one step at a time. Um, and bite size as you go along. So we can say, okay, I'll, I'll talk with my client to say, overall, who do you want to, to be conversing with? Who do you want to be influencing? And what do you want to be influencing them over? And once we've got an idea of what that is, um, so some advisors, it's, it's long-term care planning, other advisors, it's estate planning, other advisors, it's investment. Um, okay, what sort of people are you looking at? Well, actually, I prefer to have professional connections or I'm looking at auto-enrollment. So deciding on which audience that you want, and whilst your business might speak to more audiences, why don't we focus on one first rather than, you know, walk before we can run. Okay, so now we know who the audience is, then we can decide where they'll be, which communities that they're already on. 
So if you're already retired and you've been retired for a few years, your audience isn't likely to be on LinkedIn. If you're looking for SME owners, then Twitter is a great place because they're already on there to be able to invest and promote their own business and, and, and build those connections. Obviously, if you're looking for um, corporate who are you know highly paid corporate uh, employers, then you know LinkedIn is going to be a great place to be. So where are the communities going to be? And then if they are on LinkedIn, then which groups are they in? So we, we have a look at where the community is going to be and say, okay, what do you want them to hear? First of all, let's start connecting with them. Um, and then what sort of conversations do you want to have? What's the first impression they want to have of you? So we'll look at your LinkedIn profile. We'll make sure that that's fully optimized. And then you can start playing around with that. I'll help them to be able to find content or to share out content that they're already reading. So a lot of people will read articles online, but they don't think to share them out to their audience without a prompt. So I'll say, okay, well, what sort of things do you read? Oh, I read things about, you know, to keep me up to date with the industry. I read things about business. I read things about, just say they're into running or about running. Well, when you're reading um, an article and you think that this would be something that your people that you're connected would be interested in, why don't we just share that out? Then I'll give them the tools in which they can share them out with a click of a button rather than having to copy and paste a link and then go into LinkedIn and then wherever it might be, or Twitter, wherever it might be. And as we're putting all of that in, started to talk to them about okay so that's you sharing out content that you haven't created but now you've got into the habit of regularly going online and engaging let's start to create some content that you can share out some people take to that no problem at all other other people find it more difficult to put pen to paper so why don't we do a podcast like you're doing or, or people are just a bit reticent um, about sharing their voice so i work with them and and, and share with them and help them to be able to do that and so we're gradually, mm-hmm. layer upon layer, putting more into their social media and to driving more people back to their website, making sure that people can share out the content they're reading by using social share buttons, having a place to capture um, their names and addresses so they, if they want to know more, they can give you their name and, and address and email address and say, you know, please be in touch with me. So it's sort of putting all of that together in a way that they can manage in their daily lives as well. That's really interesting, Bridget. And I've obviously a great fan of sharing content and creating content. Um, And and it really is just a, a question of getting into that discipline of sharing. So I'll routinely be reading Money Marketing or Financial Advisor on the internet. And if I come across an article I like... I will share that with LinkedIn. And probably what I'll also do is put a comment on my sharing of that article of what I think of the of the content. So if, if it's about critical illness cover or if it's about pensions or something like that, I'll say, I actually don't agree with the um, author on this point, but I agree with him on that point. And what that does, of course, is it creates that profile for yourself and it promotes your level of expertise to your connections. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, there's so much going on around pensions at the moment uh, and the pension changes that, you know, when I speak to advisors, they say saying that they are getting a lot more inquiries because of all of these changes. The public does want to know, um, get some advice around what they should be doing or what they should be considering. So being able to share out articles that are written even by the trade press and then putting your, as you say, just a few words around what your opinion is will go a long way for someone who's searching online to find the right person to help them. If you're not sharing out those articles, how does the person who's looking on the internet know that this is something that you're regularly reading and and have views on? Because that way, that's how you can show that you're the expert and people are going to be more influenced by someone they perceive to be 
in authority than another advisor who might be just as qualified but doesn't openly show that that, that that's the case. So you've been into an advisor firm and you've had the conversation with them about the sort of clients that they're looking for, the the focus of their business, whether it's long-term care or pensions or protection, and then you help them to put together a social media strategy. What's the output of this, Bridget? Do you effectively put the plan together for them and then sit in the office and help them to learn how to use Twitter and LinkedIn and, and do you help them produce the content or is it really just a plan which they then take away and they implement it themselves? So I work with my clients for a minimum of six months. Right. Um, I do work with most of my clients remotely. So I do sit in their office via technology, by uh, sharing screens and using Skype, etc., etc. And And that way, I mean, I, I've got clients um, in Bristol, I've got clients up in Scotland, um, as well as in London, although I do go to London regularly. So, yeah, so I do a lot of the heavy lifting at the beginning of our working relationship. So I will put together the strategy for them. I'll, I'll put together the, the social media policy. So the policy helps you with your governance. And that's a case of who's going to be, who do we identify that's going to be using social? Uh, what training do they need? And I'll put in the training for them. And what protocols do we need to put into place so that they understand what it is that we're looking to achieve, what they can say and what they can't say? Um, making sure the tone of the voice of the company is, is reflected. And there's things like, you know, what happens when someone leaves the firm? Do you, and they've got their Twitter profile or their, you know, whatever it might be, branded with the company name. There needs to be a process to manage that. So I, I'll help them with all of that. Then we'll put together the strategy. So that will define at what stage we're going to start implementing the various different things, including putting on your content, um, including inviting other people to come and guest guest create content and the reason i was pausing is is it going to be a lot of podcasts is it going to be a video interview is it going to be something that they've written but whichever medium you're using invite someone else who's got a shared audience uh, but you're not in competition with but you can compliment to come and give their insight reach out to other people um so for example advisor lounge is great if you're looking to reach out to advisors um then start to contribute on advisor lounge so it's not always about creating the content on your platform it's about going out to other people's platforms uh, as well so we put all of that in and we'll put it together in what we call an editorial content. So they'll have an overview of what they want to achieve over the next over the year and then we'll break it down and to be more specific over the coming months and weeks. I think that's a very interesting point you just made there about Advisor Lounge and the fact that you need to represent yourself on other people's platforms. And perhaps there's a bit of, of, of a change in uh, in, in thinking um, as, as social media and as digital marketing has developed because even only a couple of years ago, perhaps, I think established thinking was you need to have your own website as a content hub and you would use social media effectively to drive people to that content hub whereas now because each of the social media platforms allows you to create native content i mean for example twitter only just recently on their iphone app allows you now to embed native video there is much more of a drive now to just using those social media platforms to be immediate and to be in place and not necessarily push people towards your own website but just be in the place that people are looking at that instant yes i think i think it's very important to have a combination of both yes because for most people the majority of the community aren't hanging out on your own website to go out to where people are hanging out as it were which as you say we've been twitter it might be advisor lounge it might be panacea it might be anything you know but those places you're just um renting as it were indeed so if you were on Google Plus and Google got upset with what you were doing, Facebook, 
Twitter, LinkedIn, they can just choose to say, actually, we've completely changed what we're doing or we're shutting you down. So if you relied on that to be your main source of a conversation, influence, getting new clients and prospects, etc., that's quite risky because you don't have full control over it. So wherever possible, you do want to drive people back to your website. You do want them to have the opportunity to give you their details so that you can contact them you know, whenever you want to, as opposed to when they come to visit your website or when they're on the social network. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to not go out to somebody else's playground and, and share your content there because that's where you'll find a lot more people who haven't discovered you yet. So what we're looking for then is a content hub, which could be your own website, it could be your own blog, and a social media strategy to be immediate and native in place, but also to drive customers and potential leads back to your own content. Um, yes, and, and also to, to have partners, as it were, joint ventures almost, of sharing your content on someone else's hub and getting them to do the same on yours. So if you do want professional connections, you know, why not speak to an accountant or a solicitor who, who does understand social, who is regularly pushing up new content, and, and say to them, look, here's a whole bunch of ideas of content that I'd love to be able to share on your website for you. It's going to help because everyone has a problem of creating content. So when you offer good content to someone else, usually they'll be very happy to have it because it helps them to be able to continually, you know, share great content with their audience without actually having to produce it themselves. So people are open to that. So, yeah, if you can find a solicitor uh, and, and share some articles with them and then invite them to do the same on your website, that's another great way of, of raising your profile and having more people who are interested in what you have to say being able to hear it. So, Bridget, you've been doing this for a number of years now. Your business has been very successful and you're touring the uh, the country doing speeches at PFS conferences, etc. What would you say are the one or the two takeaway ideas or topics that you would like people to remember from this episode of the Empath Podcast? I think the important thing is if people can't see you, then quite often you you don't exist. <laughs> and if people can't see you regularly, then you're just not they're not part of your mind. Um you know, that you're not top of mind. Martin Bamford, I think, put it very succinctly, if you're difficult to find online, you're difficult to refer. That's very interesting insight. Yes, and I think it's absolutely true. Um, people, we can get in touch, we can get hold of information so easily at the touch of a few keyboard strokes. And if you're not showing up there, then you're actively choosing not to participate in that conversation. And I think that's really an important mindset to get around. Um, you might know that you're great and the people that you meet face to face might know that you're great. But there's a whole bunch of other people out there who would love your help and your expertise. Um, so open up to them. And do you think that some people might be sitting there listening to this and saying, well, that's all very well. But the Internet and social media is such a vast, vast place how on earth can I possibly stand out when, for example, there are people like Martin Bamford doing podcasts and doing videos, and there are people like Pete Matthew doing podcasts and doing videos? Are people put off by the fact that, well, somebody else has already done this, there's not going to be a place for me? Um, well, wouldn't you say that about why would I be an advisor? So um, the value that you have to the clients that you have and the new clients that you're going to get is the same when you meet them in person as it is when you share your advice with them online. Um, and people will want to deal with someone locally. So make sure, yeah, reach out to your local community and, and help them. As I say, reach out to your local community where they're chatting on Twitter, where they might be on LinkedIn in those groups um, with professional connections. A lot of advisors I know go out to meetings. So it's just being able to tie everything together. And whilst social media does take time and effort, one of the things I think people forget to focus on is once you've produced that blog, once you produce that video, once you produce that podcast, 
it's online for everyone to see whilst you go about doing your business, you know, writing up your reports, seeing your clients, whatever it might be that you, that you want to be getting on with. Pete Matthews recently hit a quarter of a million downloads. So there's an awful lot of people listening to his podcast, being influenced by what he has to say, and he's just carrying on, you know, going about his daily business. Yes, I mean, I think it's imperative it is called social media. People are here to to build, you know, they want to get to know someone. Whenever whenever we post something and there's an opportunity for uh, people to link back to a corporate Twitter or to a, pers- a personal Twitter of the person, you know, the employee, they always, always click on the personal Twitter. They're not really interested in the corporate account. So people want to know more about you and how you can help them. Do they like you? Do, they, do you share the same values? Because who wants to work with someone who doesn't? So that's element of it as well as showing that you know what you're talking about is vital. Bridget that's been fascinating to talk to you this morning about social media and about the business that you've developed helping IFAs to develop their own social media strategies. Before we go are you okay just to stay for a few more moments to answer a few quick fire business questions? If there was one thing that you could change about the financial services industry you know perhaps by waving the proverbial magic wand what would it be? Um, The thing that I've been talking about most recently is Remember I mentioned uh, that ZMOT, Google report, yeah. uh, and the 8.9 sources of online information that people are influenced by. 30% of it, people are influenced by online comments. Right. At the moment, I think that the impression that the public could get if they were to read the comments that are on trade press doesn't reflect our industry very well at all. Um, healthy debate is fantastic. Whining, not so much. <laughs> What's the one business model or product or marketing campaign that's caught your attention in the last year? Tell us what it was and what you liked about it. Um, it was just this week, actually, and Uber have connected up with um, UN Women to be able to produce, was it a million or a hundred thousand? But globally, they're producing more jobs for women, um, and I think they want to get to a million Uber drivers. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life and or your business. Um, Buffer is my favourite. It's so simple to use. It can really help. So for those who don't know, Buffer app will help you to be able to share out content that you find online. Uh, it'll schedule it for you. It does it all. All you have to do is click a couple of buttons. It's genius. Finally, what's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it. I do adore reading business books, and there isn't one that really stands out hugely, but anything over influence. So I love Daniel Airely, can never pronounce his name. Um, but also, I think the one that I do quote the most is um, Influence by Robert Cialdini. So he said that there were six universal laws of influence wrote all about it really before the internet and, and social media. But I think it explains why social media has been so And before we go, Bridget, I'm sure there's a lot of people who've been listening to the podcast today really interested in getting in touch with you to find out how you can help them with their social media strategy. So tell everyone how they can connect with you on Twitter, LinkedIn, and of course, your own website, where of course, there's a lot of really good content that people can download. Um, so on Twitter, I'm Bridget. B-R-I-D-G-E-T-F-S-M. Um, just search for Bridget Greenwood on, actually, if you Google Bridget Greenwood, you'll find most of the places that you need, uh, including LinkedIn. The website is www.financial-socialmedia.co.uk. 
Um, and so we have a whole bunch of blogs that will help people. And also there's a page, which is the website, forward slash resources, where they'll find lots of tools that are free that they can just download to help them understand a bit more about what they can do. Or if you want to get in touch, the email address and contact details are all on the website. Bridget, thank you so much for talking to me today. Let me wish you every success for the future. And hopefully I'll catch up with you at some event in the near future. Thank you so much, Roger. listening to the marketing protection and finance podcast do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash mpaf for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed if you enjoyed the show please leave a review on itunes simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash itunes and leave a review If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay?